0: Hey, everybody, just a quick preamble on today's show. Uh, we were extremely pleased to be joined again by Jack Michaels. Um, i have had some technical issues in the transition over to the new Handkerchief Dynasty aggregate playlist. And the audio is not great for the first couple of minutes, but it gets better pretty quickly. Um, so just a heads up. I also want to let you know that uh, the intro will be from the Hotline Miami soundtrack and the outro will be from Devo. So without any further ado, this is Handkerchief Dynasty. the fear and despair of a broken human race who's left to fight for what's good and pure. That's right. It's the Handkerchief Dynasty Aggregate Playlist. I am, as always, your secret professor. Jack Michaels joins the Dynasty, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Jack. How are you? I'm doing good. I mean, you know, it's been a wild and wacky season, a wild and wacky year. Um, Been uh, really enjoying uh, your commentary this year. It's been super cool to see you doing the TV. Um, how, uh, How about you?
1: You know what? It's been a great year. I've, uh, you know, obviously the club has been good. So everyone's going to sound better when the the club wins. Uh, I've enjoyed, you know, my, my work on TV, but I've also, you know, been happy to do the games on the radio when it's a national game. So mm-hmm. I, I actually think in some respects it's, it's kept me sharp, uh, on both mediums. And, and so, you know, for that, I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity, but also, uh, you know, very much looking forward to the playoffs. This mm-hmm. is uh, a time of year that I have not had the opportunity to, jo- you know, really enjoy on a, you know, on a regular basis since I've been here. So for me, uh, I'm extremely excited about the second season about to start.
0: Yeah, me as well. I'll, I'll be honest. I've been I've been really impressed with uh, with your work this year. I feel like there, and yeah, there's definitely been an extra element of joie de vivre um, in it that I've that I've really enjoyed. Like I think and I think that even like ties to the team as well. Like the team itself has more joie de vivre. And yes, part of that is a success, but I think also just they're they're growing into a newfound kind of confidence, a resilience, a maturity, a toughness. Um, you know, I think I think we're looking at a different team right now, and then it's taking me up until it's taking me basically the entire regular season to spiritually and psychologically prepare for the fact <clears throat> that I my, my team is uh, you know a, a great team. Well that's me! A great
1: team. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've really you've really gotten. Uh deep into this i you know i also think what you've heard maybe you know indirectly even though there's no fans in the building which of course is still a huge drag yeah but i you know i i think i have an appreciation for what i do uh it's a kind of tired old cliche that a lot of people have fallen back on during the pandemic but i I think there's really a a kernel of truth to it is it's just i'm i'm relieved to be you know back doing what i do and and even though it's not especially on road games where you're where you're calling games off a monitor Mm -hmm. it's it's for that three hour window i i do feel kind of lost in the game and and not worried about kind of what's what's going on in the outside world so i think that's the other kind of element that uh you know i i'd have to admit has been has been part of it just relieved to be back at work and doing what i love to do
0: yeah i think a lot of people can um can actually sympathize with that. I think, I think with, you know, being in quarantine, and maybe you're not working, maybe things are on pause, you're kind of languishing, just getting to go back into work or or getting to go and spend your time doing something where you're just in that state of flow, and you're not thinking and you just are, is huge. Um, And I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to hear it. Like, yeah, it's been it's been a a hell of a season. And I think uh, you and all the other guys doing the broadcast have done done a hell of a job under pretty difficult circumstances. but so uh, like, did, did, would you say like when you, when you, when they said, okay, we're going to do an all Canadian division, um, did, is this the result that you kind of expected? Like did, did, uh, was it as exhilarating as you expected?
1: Well, I, you know, I mean, there were, there were spots of games throughout the year that, that had the same type of, you know, intensity that I, that I might've anticipated. The only thing that didn't materialize And, you know, the order of finish was almost, you know, bang on in terms Mm -hmm. of of what I thought it would be, to be honest with you. I'm not sure. I know I got the top three of the four right. Uh, I'm not sure I got the third place team right. I can't remember whether I had Winnipeg in or out, but I Mm -hmm. had, I had Edmonton or Toronto Edmonton one, two in that order. And I had Montreal in, uh, But here's what I think, you know, we did miss is that the top four were basically set about a month ago. Yeah. I, the only thing that didn't materialize that I was hoping for was I really thought the battle for the three, four spots would be more engaging than it turned out to be.
0: Mm.
1: So that's, I think, you know, if you were going to, if you were in a nitpick about how the regular season went in the North division, I just thought the last month would be a furious, Mm -hmm. you know, just absolute dogfight to the finish. Mm -hmm. You know, I I really thought you might have four teams competing for two spots Mm -hmm. and it did not turn out that way. So that's, that's where I think the regular season lacks some intensity just in the last few weeks in Mm -hmm. the sense that, there was an inevitability set by the four spots mm. and you know some of that may have had to do with vancouver's covid layoff although yeah you know they weren't having a very good year at the time of the covid layoff and i'm not sure their record would be much different quite frankly
0: that's probably true. Yeah, I think I was also, I mean, I I think it's been a good regular season, but I was expecting, or maybe in my, you know, I, when, when someone tells you, you know, Santa Claus is real and he's taking you to Disneyland, your imagination runs wild. So when they told me about the Northern abstraction, the Northern division, whatever you want to call it, I was like, oh man, the rivalries are going to be so intense. There's going to be all this bad blood. There's going to be like five fights a game. And, you know, I think probably because of all the complexity of the world that's kind of swirling around everybody, you know, and no fans in the building is a factor, I don't know if those rivals, rivalries, ever really um, emerged that much.
1: Well, the demands of the schedule, for one. I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, you've let's say you didn't have any COVID situation. You know, you were scheduled to what was it? It was like fifty-six games in roughly one hundred nine days. Like, yeah, you know, when you don't have a schedule that allows for a certain degree of recovery time. uh you don't. I mean, your body just can't stand up to that kind of, you know, physical intensity over a fifty-six game schedule. I, I do think that the game has changed. I, I don't think you were ever going to see a, you know, a series of bloodbaths. And again, without the fans in the mix, you know, that's part of what gets the adrenaline pumping to those kind of levels mm-hmm. where the physical engagement kind of rises to the fore.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but again, I, the biggest thing for me is you know, the last month, we've known, we've basically known, even though there weren't X's besides the names, we know who was going to the playoffs. There was a clear delineation, top Mm -hmm. four and bottom three. And unfortunately, with the exception of the Nashville-Dallas race, that was really true throughout the league. It It was interesting to me that in all the divisions, and you look at it, you know outside of Dallas Dallas Nashville, and even that was decided with a few games left. Mm. You know, there wasn't anything that went down to the last day. Nashville, Dallas went down the last week. Everything else has been decided for a, for the same month that the North has, which mm. I thought was really interesting. I did not anticipate you'd have that clear top four for much of the year in all the divisions. I didn't see that happening at all. It almost never does.
0: Mm. Well, we've, we've had a, a lot of parody in the league for a long time, but I think something about this year, there's definitely been a much stronger division between, um, between the, those that are the good teams and the bad teams. Like there's just, there's bottom, seems like there's bottom feeders that have been well-established all season in like every division from what it looks like.
1: Yeah, And, I, and again, I think that took away from some of the intensity you're talking about uh, people kind (laughs) of knew where they belonged for lack of a better word
0: yeah i don't know i think i woke up this morning and i was like man i think i'm just gonna go like watch a nashville game just to like remember what like it's like to see fans in the stands and for like a normal hockey game um i might not though so my biggest concern though going to the playoffs right now um and it's not an easy problem to fix but the officiating situation has me concerned I, I think i said to the high priest War this magic shout out to the high priest he couldn't make it today he was very disappointed um it's like i i, I said though you know who, where are the where are the refs going to be when the playoffs start because they could be anywhere they could be in the greek islands um i know you're not you're not here to just pile on um my you know, jump on the soapbox with me about this but like what do you think could be done to ameliorate the situation vis-a-vis the refing in the nhl
1: well,
0: I mean, it's a hard question, I know.
1: Yeah, that is a tough one. You're kind of putting me <laughs> on the precipice here.
0: Like, I, th- I, I think of another video this, review. You,
1: yeah, You got to remember, you haven't had fresh sets of officials for any of these players. So as the season is worn on, not only are the players getting sick of one another, but the you know players are getting sick of the, seeing the same officials and, and vice versa. That's just the human element to this Mm. whole setup the way it's gone this year. Cause obviously because of the border restrictions, he had the same, you know, collective grouping of officials, you know, in the North division all season long, whereas, you know, a normal season you could go four months without seeing, Mm. you know, the same official or two. So, you know, I, I think to some degree that was that that's part of it. Um, I haven't necessarily thought the officiating was any, you know, worse, better Mm. insert adjective this year than, than any year. I will Mm. say that, you know, for the most part, I think most of the games with lots of power plays occurred early on in the season. Mm -hmm. I think much like so many years, as we've worn on last six weeks or so, it's far more likely to see a game with one or two power plays for each side. And, you know, Edmonton in particular, I can't imagine all their fans are, are too upset because I think they've only been shorthanded 52 times in their last 21 or 22 games. I mean, yeah. they're not getting called for a lot of penalties. So uh, from that regard, I think most of the concern you're talking about is you know, how can you draw more penalties on Connor McDavid? There's at least one or two a game that go uncalled. Mm-hmm. And I would certainly concede that. Mm-hmm. And I think most people who follow the Edmonton Oilers believe that. And that, I think, will be, you know, a sore subject for as long as he can maintain the pace to his game. So we could be looking at another 10 years of saying, you know what? In every game, there's probably a penalty against Connor McDavid that goes on
0: Yeah.
1: How's that for walking the that's great.
0: Work? No, I loved it. Um, I mean Is that the
1: golden <laughs> gate behind you? What do you have behind you?
0: Um yeah, it's uh I'm at I'm at Starfleet headquarters today. Oh, okay. Um, in uh, the year uh, twenty twenty two fifty, the answer, <laughs> I think, the solution is cybernetic officials that that have, that are on hovering platforms above the ice. We get a good overview. That's that's what I'm going to push for. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I think uh, you know you you're, you're probably the voice of reason on this. It's a it's it's a it's a it's a, a, a drum that I beat fairly often. So um, we'll just <laughs> we'll we'll hope that uh, the situation takes care of itself so here's a question for you jack michaels uh voice of the play-by-play men for the edmonton oilers um who do you think is like an unheralded oiler this year like we've got we've got a lot of great stories you know we have tyson berry leading defenseman scoring obviously connor is you know we we could spend the rest of our lives trying to just describe his level of skill and never accomplish any kind of like accurate description leon drysell's best passer in the game um we got a lot of role players that are contributing, um, you know Mike Smith has had a hell of a year that I think no one expected and it's just been uh, a revelation. Um, but who, who's a player on the orders impressed you this year that you don't you don't really hear people talking about that you think needs a little bit of a little bit of more um, respect?
1: Well, I mean, you didn't mention two guys and I'm not gonna hold your heels to the flame, but I think Darnell Nurse has had a Norris trophy type of year i really do yeah uh you know he's top two plus minus for whatever you think that stats worth he's second in goals he's top 10 in points even strength points he's off the charts for defense it's crazy Um, yeah yeah so i mean i think you know for several years i felt that people wanted to talk about what darnell did not do that well as opposed to what he did do well yeah and this year that criticism has slowly dropped off because there's not any area of the game that he hasn't excelled at i mean that's and that's saying something and in light of the fact that you didn't have oscar Clefbaum in and his 25 minutes to rely on this year it's all the more important that he took the strides he did he has had a terrific year mm. and you know, I am sure he was he was there on your list. So yeah, I'm not I mean, gonna single you out. I think you were looking more for you know a, a different a different guy. I'll mention two. Okay. Yes, a pool yarvey with the addition of Ryan McLeod, with mm. the fabulous seasons that McDavid and Dry are happening, with the gradual recognition that Mike Smith, while not the league MVP, deserves to be in consideration for team MVP, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden people have kind of stopped talking about Yesapula Yarby. It's true. I think part of the reason is he's just fit in so well. And you know, to get 15 goals from a guy that really no one knew, you know, who could produce while playing with Connor, who could, you know, bounce back and forth in the lineup, who could be relied upon to be that consistent, you know, for checking presence on a line with whom, you know, with, regardless of whom he plays with, mm. I think Cole Yarvis' consistency the last 25 games has been great. Mm. And the production is starting to catch up with all the ch- chances he's generated. I think he's quietly had a very good year, not just the 15 goals, but just the chaos mm. that that six foot five frame creates for North division opponents in the D zone. I mean, they just have a hard time dealing with the range, uh, the the breadth of space that he takes up. Uh, he is just a, you know, a relentless presence. You know, we talk about Kyler Yamamoto being a relentless four checker. Julio Yarvey does it, and he's six foot five, so he's taken up that much space. Wide shoulders draws a ton of penalties. He's been great, and then the other guy who's been playing his best hockey of his career, in my opinion. And a guy who was same draft class as Nuge, and that's Adam Larson. Mm. He has played the best hockey of his career. I think a couple of years ago, he had a death in the family Yeah, that really threw him for a loop. And why wouldn't it be a devastating situation for anyone mm-hmm. to deal with? I honestly think that had an impact on you know his season that year maybe a portion of the next year he's been battling injuries this year he's been healthy and he has given edmonton that rarest of commodities in today's national hockey league a stay-at-home d-man who plays with the mean on every game and is not appreciated by any ford who plays against him Mm -hmm. and then to compound that, no matter who he's played, with Caleb Jones, William Laguson, Dmitry Kulikov, Chris Russell, he has lifted their game too. And in some of those cases, notably Lagasson and Jones, he's gotten their game to the next level as NHL pros. So he has had a tremendous calming and steadying influence on his own team. While being one nasty piece of business for the other team to deal with all yeah. year long, this is the best he's ever played.
0: Yeah, he's had a hell of a year, and I think it definitely underappreciated. Um, un- definitely not heralded enough. And I think I think if we don't re-sign him this off-season and he's not on that blue line next year, like we are going to feel that. You can make an acutely. argument
1: You can make an argument right now. There's an argument to be made that of the three high-profile unrestricted free agents. Tyson Berry, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Adam Larson. That Larson, perhaps, began the year as a third priority, mm. and is now the top priority. You could make that argument fairly easily.
0: Well, he's also the kind of guy you you need. A guy like that guy in the playoffs is even more valuable. I mean, exactly. It's, just, it's so he's, obvious. He's to everybody. a
1: modern-day Kevin Lowe. a guy that's forgotten about on a team packed with all stars but a glue guy that everyone respects within the room and everyone dreads, not in terms of the fighting aspect, but just like Kalo, who wants to be, you know, worked over hammered in the shins and in the calves all game. And just like Kalo, Adam Larson routinely gets away with it. He's got a veteran's guile. He's respected by the officials And again, because he plays like that all the time, they're not going to call everything. And Mm. no one does it better than Adam Larson in terms of, I think, taking a top forward out of his game uh, mentally and just from a getting frustrated type of perspective. He is an agitating, irritating person to play against if you're a skilled forward. Because you know he's going to just be tough on you all game long. And no skilled forward wants to deal with that every night.
0: And he actually can skate pretty well and he can move the puck. Like it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to find that guy in today's NHL, you know, who can k- still keep up with the game and has enough hockey sense, but who can be a punishing defensive shutdown type presence. I mean, how many, how many of those guys are really left?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a valuable commodity and, not one that everyone has anymore. Uh, that guy that, and again, I, you know, he doesn't bring a ton of offense and that's what makes it interesting. Cause what do you see when it comes to Norris trophy? You always look at the top point guys amongst defense and you can pluck one or two of the top three and they're, they're going to be your finalists. Adam Larson is never going to be found on that list. Nor am I suggesting he's the Norris trophy winner, but, in terms of defensive defenseman he's one of the top guys in the league and i think he brings a lot that doesn't necessarily show up on the score sheet
0: fantastic stuff jack listen i know you got to take the kids to an appointment here so we'll start the wind down procedure but um really really glad we were able to have uh, a short little minnesota here a little episode at a little episode ito um really been yeah and uh, what happened
1: to the high priest he talks a big game and then he doesn't show up
0: well like many religious officials he yeah he does that from time to time (laughs) i'm not sure (laughs) um no i'm uh he's he's been a busy guy so i've I've been even having having trouble getting him on mic but um but i'll hopefully you know maybe if we can get back on in the off season sometime all three of us could have a a fun a fun convo. um any advice for, uh, for the Oilers fans out there as we prepare to uh, strap ourselves in and, and, you know, assemble the various sliced meats and beers and snacks that we're going to need to steal our nerves for this, uh, this exhilarating playoff run?
1: You know, I would, I would say enjoy it. I, I would say enjoy it and buckle up because I don't think it's going to be over quickly. Mm. I think this team has the belief system that they are capable of achieving a lot more than just escaping the North division. Mm. I'm not prognosticating a run to the Stanley cup final. Cause I think when they get to the final four, unless there are a few huge upsets, they're going to be underdogs, but I think that mantle suits them just fine. And totally. like I said, I hope we get what everyone's hoping for, which is an Edmonton Toronto North division final. I think that'd be great for the country for each team's market. I know what the head to head record reads, but in my opinion, there are more question marks right now to be had in Toronto than there are in Edmonton. And yeah, I'll leave I it agree. At
0: that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Jack, enjoy your day. And uh, and we'll catch up again real soon. Okay.
1: Sounds like a plan. Thanks yeah. for squeezing me in and always oh. a pleasure to be on with you oh, guys. Thank
0: you so much for taking the time. Yeah. Anytime. Cheers.